Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. How many of you are excited about the challenges of New England? <laughs> it was like last night on the news, they were saying, it's 13 degrees, but it feels like five. Then it's five, basically. Is what, that's how I look at it. It's five. If it feels like five, it's five which is 63 degrees colder than last Saturday. A little crazy. I don't know, it's interesting. Um, although it's, I, have to, I have to admit, I have to admit, uh, this morning when I was out getting rid of the snow, it was so cool to just see the kind of amber glow of the sun kind of hit the snow and hit the trees and then you start to feel that warmth that's coming from the sun. It's like, oh, there is warmth. Uh, it's just, it is incredible. God's creation. I mean, I don't know how anybody can look at it and not be amazed and not be in awe. Uh, keep my wife in prayer. She kind of went down for the count Wednesday. Oh my goodness. I don't think I've ever seen my wife as sick as she is. I love you, honey. <laughs> She's supposed to be watching. Um, but she is just, <laughs> I, don't think I've, I don't think I've ever seen her this sick in our entire marriage of 30 years. So um, just pray for her to kind of recover. She's sort of on the mend, I guess, but she feels unbelievably weak. Um, now I'm praying and fasting. Don't let me get that. <laughs> Which is funny, because it was like we were just talking, well, we were talking last week, and I, as of January, it's probably been like 12 years since I've been sick. So I'll take that. I'll, I'll keep that record going. So anyway... All that said, I hope you're ready to study the word. Uh, defending recurring sin, we're going to be in Hebrews 4. It's page 1375 in the Bibles that are in the chairs. Or you can open up your copy. But before we get there, we've got to talk about the farmer driving down the road. And he's going along on his tractor, and he's got fertilizer in the back. And as he's traveling down the road, he goes by a house with a young boy playing outside. And he yells, hey, mister, what do you got in the back of that tractor? And he says, fertilizer. And so the little boy goes, fertilizer? What are you going to do with that? He says, I'm going to put it on strawberries. The little boy looked at him kind of weird. He says, you should come to our house. We put on strawberry uh, whipped cream and sugar. There we go. <laughs> Much better than fertilizer. That said, has nothing to do with my message today, but hopefully you will receive what I have to say as you would whipped cream and sugar and not fertilizer. It is challenging. Um, we've got to address sin, right? Uh, it's one of those things that robs us of so much. And um, again, it comes back to, we're kind of, kind of on that same focus I was talking about last week when we're talking about our relationship with Christ, who he is, how he works, how he needs to be kind of involved in our life, how we need to be in partnership with him relationally, not just in this very um, academic or mechanical kind of a way. Because the Christian life, it was never designed to just be this kind of robotic, go through the motions, do these things, and that's going to do it. Uh, Christ did so much for us. Why would he do everything he did only to have to do a whole bunch of things that you kind of check off on a daily basis? Why would he do that? Uh, it was really to restore relationship. I mean, think about it. The original design was God walking in the garden with his people. 
And he wants to kind of bring that back. That was, you know, that's what Christ's whole situation was, was to bring that back. And so the one thing that always keeps getting in the way because of our bodies are not glorified yet. Would you agree? <laughs> My body's not glorified yet. And so there's all these things that we deal with on a regular basis that challenge us of how we live and what we do and the decisions we make. And there is a way to impact that. Um, some people, it's like I, I had a friend that he, he really struggled with getting past the whole idea of, well, I'm just a sinner and that's how it's going to be and I'm always going to sin. And he just lived there. And it really burdened me because it's like, where's the victory in, in the salvation that we have? Where is the strength and the power in the salvation we have if we're just destined to sin? And, and where do we go? You know, you go to Corinthians and it's like all things have become new. Where does that come from then? If we're just going to be these sinners. So I think that's the lie from the enemy he wants us to believe. Oh, it, that's just how it is. You can't get past it. Just give into it. That's how it'll be until you're, you know, whatever. And so we have got to confront that lie. And, and we've got to realize that we can impact the things in our life that challenge us, the things in our life that draw us down a path that we shouldn't go, the things in our life that create problems, whatever they may be. And for every single one of us, those things are different. So that said, let's dig into the word today, defeating recurring sin. And, and I, it can happen. You can defeat the sin in your life. Um, and you may think, well, you know, I don't know, my life's pretty good. And we've got to use the right basis <laughs> to evaluate. Uh, we can't use comparison with other people. We can't use how you feel about stuff because our feelings, you know, the heart's deceitful. And it can totally rob us of a rich and dynamic Christian life. And so we don't want that. And so it all starts, and really the songs that we sang this morning help kind of set up this whole idea of remembering your identity. Because it is so tied to who Christ is and what he's done for us. Um, Hebrews 4, verse 14. So seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. And so this whole idea of confession, you know, Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's the whole idea of becoming a Christ follower. Our identity is now tied to Christ when we believe these things, when we believe what he's done for us, when we believe that everything is in him. And it's hard because we struggle. The world system, right? It's like, do more, do better, do this, do, 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 do these things, and God will be more happy with you. Such a lie. See, God is 100% happy with you automatically as a believer. When you come to that place where you surrender to him and he is going to love you as much as he can all the time, no matter what. Now, we struggle with that because we kind of don't live that way, do we? The people who do us good, we like them. The people who do us bad, we kind of don't like them. And there's this kind of varying degrees all in between. God is not like that. And we've got to remember, we are nothing like God as far as when it comes to these relational things. Because he's looking for restoration. He's looking for healing. He's looking for health. And, and the thing is, is he sets himself up in this place where he loves us 100% all the time. 
And so our identity needs to be tied to that. Our belief has to be tied to that. And we have to realize that, you know, when sin comes into our life, all it does is rob us of other things. It doesn't change how God thinks of us. If anything, it's, he probably thinks, wow, they're getting robbed of some wonderful thing in their life because they don't see that as problematic. They don't see that as something that's going to harm them. So, as a Christ follower, all right, remembering your identity is so key because we are, father, we are I'm sorry, brothers and sisters in the Lord, right? We are Christ's brothers and sisters. And it's one of those things where it's like we are part of the family of God. And part of that family of God, we are going to be changed. And we should be changing the people around us as well, starting with our families, starting with the people that we come in contact with all the time. There should be a difference in us. There has to be. Otherwise, how are they going to see him? But the whole idea here, too, is we have to remember, okay, we're in Hebrews. So we're, they're looking at how Hebrews looked at their relationship with God, and it was so bound by duty. And I think sometimes we can get caught up in the duty of the Christian life and think we're okay and miss Christ altogether. Because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, coming here today, awesome, you should. <laughs> it's wonderful. We should all be here. But this can't be the litmus of, am I where God wants me to be? You've got to get to that place where, you know, you're living in such a way where God is talking to you, moving in your life, challenging you to do things. And it's because that relationship is flourishing and growing and becoming something more than just this kind of, I don't know, fly-by-night thing that happens once a week. And part of that is picking up your copy of the Word and letting Him talk to you. I mean, that's, I mean I, to me, it blows my mind when, I, I, when you really think about it. We don't think about it often. This book was written to me, specifically. This book was written to you, specifically, with a purpose and a plan and, and a design. And only God can do that. Only God can do that. And he can speak to us in incredible ways through the word. And so it's like when we're dealing with sin in our life, when we're dealing with how we're going to live, the choices that we make, it, it has to start with our identity and realizing that I am, if, you know, you're a guy, I am a son of God. If you're a woman, I am a daughter of God. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, how does God want me to comport myself and, and live out? I mean, think about it. We have a very short amount of time on this planet. There's got to be more than just making it to the end. Don't you think? <laughs> There's got to be more than just making it to the end. He must have more than that. Anyway, back to the whole idea of the high priest. Back in the times when Jews were dealing with the synagogue and sacrifice and sin, the high priest, once a year, he was the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies and make that massive payment for sin for Israel. And so the comparison here is we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, again, in case you forgot. Uh, so let us hold fast to our confession. So it's like he is far better than any preceding high priest there has been. Because he's paid it all. 
not just for that year, not just for those people. He has paid it all for everyone, once and for all. And so we have to realize, okay, that payment for sin, yes, he's taking care of it. So that's what enables the relational part of us to be reconnected to God and the, our identity becomes stronger and more grounded. And we've got to come to that place where we're settled there. We're immovable there. Because the enemy wants us to believe, ah, you know, who are you? Who are you really? Look at your past. Look what you've done. Look at these things. Really? And that's the lie that the enemy wants us to believe. Because our high priest has paid it all and has cemented that for us. So that's who we can be in Christ. His son, his daughter. Which is so cool. So remembering our identity is key. Um, let us hold fast our profession of faith. Let us never deny him, never be ashamed of him before men. Let us hold fast the enlightening doctrines of Christianity in our heads, the enlivening principles of it in our hearts, the open profession of it in our lips, and our practical and universal subjection to it in our lives. That's the call we have to live out as his sons, as his daughters, as Christ followers. There should be a family resemblance that's growing and beginning to show who we are and how we are. Our identity in Christ is going to be challenged every day. Because if, if we can get conned into thinking, eh, you're still that same person. What's really changed? You think the same things, you feel the same ways about stuff. What's really changed? You've got to come to that place where it's like, everything's changed. My thinking has changed. My, my identity has changed. And, it, and that's where it's like, it cannot be based on feelings. That's where our feelings can deceive us. Our feelings can draw us to this place where we can be in places and doing things that we never thought we'd do. It happens. You know it does. It's happened in your life and it's happened in my life. As a follower of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we are to look and act more like him and less like the world. Big question. Which would he say you look more like? Based on what you do day in and day out. Based on what you're thinking. Based on what you're doing. Based on where you commit your time. What would he say? And again, this is not me. This is what he's asking us. This is what God's word is challenging us in. Because he wants... And that's where we've got to come to that place of trust and faith in him that his way is better than my way. His way is higher and further and more than what I think I need in my life. And that's sometimes where we end up falling or tripping is we come to this place where it's like, oh, this is what I need. And God's going, mm -mm, not really. <laughs> but it's like we've got to trust. And I, I understand I'm not going to say it's simple. Because it's oftentimes sacrificial. But we have to come to that place where, do we trust God? And it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you know, we, we say we trust him for eternity and salvation and all of that. And you know, we're convinced of this thing of, you know, when I die, I'm going to be with him because this is what the word says. But we can't trust him for the day-to-day -day stuff. How can that be? How does that even work? See, I think, and that's where we miss the dynamic, vibrant, 
fire-filled Christian life. It's because we, we kind of fudge on the day-to-day. -day. We kind of blend away the things that we think, you know, we, we pick and choose on. Well, I can do this, and that's kind of easy, and I can do that. Oh, I really don't want to do that. But God's saying, no, 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 no. These things will bring you life and health and peace and joy and all of these things. So align your lives to it. And it's not simple. I understand that. But it's valuable. So a couple things. What do you need to let go of to get closer to God? What's in your life right now that just kind of, ugh, it's, it's a sticking point. It's a stumbling block. It's a challenge. It's a hurdle. It's whatever you want to call it. What do you need to let go of? Are you fighting sin on your own? Or are you enlisting Jesus for the power to do it? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. See, I find so many people, um, you know, when I hit the counseling room, so many people are fighting tooth and nail, hard, 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 to, to get, gain victory in their life. The challenge is, is they're trying to do it all on their own. They haven't enlisted Christ. They haven't come to that place where it's like, I can't do this. God, you've got to show up. And I remember for myself in my own life, that was a huge growth point for me. Because it's like, it's hard to really look at yourself in the mirror and say, if I go off on my own and try to live this life, I'm going to choose destruction every time. That's hard. Because it's like, if you go out and poll most people, you know, oh, I'm a good person, I'm a good person, I'm a good person, and, you know, we're all good people. <laughs> By our definitions. But everything that's good, everything that's pure, everything that's wonderful is because of Christ. And we've got to come to that place in our belief, come to that place in our understanding. And that's hard. But that, when you start to understand that the Holy Spirit living in you as a Christ follower, if you come to that place where you're, you know, you're holding fast to your confession and you believe what Christ has done for you, and you start to believe that, okay, it's the Spirit that is within me that's moving me and directing me and guiding me, and, and you're starting to live that life with the Word kind of influencing you and directing you, it becomes a different life. It becomes a different life because, guess what? You start to want different things. You start to want more spiritual things, more biblical things, because you start to understand who you are in Christ, what that relationship does, what the Holy Spirit can provide for you. But not only that, I mean, I've had times in my life where it's like, God, if you don't show up, my life is going to explode. I've come to places like that because it's living in this world, living with sin that is coming at us all the time. And today, I would say, has to be one of the more difficult times to live. Because it's just everywhere. It used to be, you know, it was only a few, you know, billboards. I was like, what's a billboard, right? Now it's, the, you know, TVs, phones. We've got, you know, Alexa and Google and this one and that one. And it's like, there's stuff all the time. And the other day, it was like our, what is it? The Alexa dot we have somehow got connected to my wife's phone. And so it was going off every couple of minutes and every time she got a message. And it was like, I feel like I'm living in a loony bin. Please shut something off <laughs> to make this all stop because it's crazy. But it's that's the methods that the world goes toward 
get us distracted, get us caught up in other things, get us down this road that is only going to keep us spinning our wheels, spinning our wheels, spinning our wheels, and so busy about all the stuff that we miss out on the spiritual aspect and the biblical aspect of this time while we're here. There's so much more. All right. So in defeating recurring sin, one, remember your identity. Two, tell someone you can trust. <laughs> what? <laughs> when we had our Celebrate Recovery group here, they had a, a phrase, you know, we are only as sick as our secrets. And there's such valuable truth there. And again, we don't need to tell the world, we don't need to put a billboard, we don't need to write it in the sky. We need to find one person that we can trust. Now, there's one automatically that we all have if you're a Christ follower, and that's Christ himself. Talk to him about it. And I think we struggle with the non-flesh on, the non-skin on, but he is here. He is spirit, and he is everywhere, and we've got to trust that when we're talking to him, when we're focused on him. It is real. It is happening. And it's, it's one of those things where we're like, well, you know, he doesn't really do a good job of talking back. Well, we've got to open this book. Because it's amazing how even if you do the, the you know, the, the holy flip, even that sometimes God can use. I'm not advocating that. <laughs> but even, even that God can use if we are open and yielded to him. But we've got to be developing the relational aspect of our life with Christ. It can't be just about, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. He must be happy with me. There's so much more. So much more. Now, the whole idea, you know, in Celebrate Recovery is finding someone else, really, who has dealt with the things that you've dealt with so that you can relate, so that there is open communication, trust, uh, that you can talk to somebody who, you know, has maybe a little further down the road than you are. Um, but it's, you know, we're even challenged. Confess your faults one to another. What? That you may be healed, right? There's, once you say it out loud to another person, the, the, the draw and the appeal gets cut by about 50% automatically. Because it's out of the bag. And again, it's not, you don't have to tell the world. <laughs> but find one person that you can trust that would be willing to, okay, I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. <laughs> so so there's, there's you know, reciprocity there. Because there's a value. Because, you know, there's an old kind of a, um, I don't know, it's a parable, I guess, illustration, whatever you want to call it, about a little boy who found a fox and really wanted the fox. And his parents said, no, you really can't keep him. But he was determined to keep him. So he always put him inside his coat and kept his coat all buttoned up. And that fox didn't like it there. And he would dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and try to get out. And that little boy would get just totally shredded because of that fox trying to escape the place that he didn't belong. And sin is like that for us. When, when it's this overcoated thing in our life that's just in there and eats us away, we become this isolated person we're at risk 
Isolation always puts us at risk. If you've watched any National Geographic special, who's, who's the, the animal at risk? <laughs> the one that's off alone on the side. And that's us. If, if we're not open and dealing with the things in our life that are bringing us harm. And that's sin, specifically. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, we, we can't um, flash the, oh, he's God and doesn't get it card. Because we have to go back to he was tempted in every way, just like this says, but he also bore the sin in his body. He felt the effects. I mean, I, think, I, I know I kind of alluded to that last week too, but think about that. Just for one person, all of their sin kind of put on him and him experiencing it and feeling it and emoting to it. He knows what it does. He knows the, the pain. He knows the damage. He knows all the things that come with it. And we've got to trust that. And we can't just check it off. Well, oh, he's God. He doesn't get it. And, you know, it's easier for him. Because we want to dismiss it and not deal with it. And we've got to be talking about the things that are bringing us harm. We've got to be talking about the things that rob us. That's my thing is... The sin robs us from the best Christian life possible. It robs us. Don't be robbed. 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. He is all in. He wants to be part of what's going on in our life. John 14.6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the one who makes it possible. He is the way. And so talking to him and dealing with Christ and opening our hearts to him in a relational way, like he's a person, because he is. <laughs> See, sometimes, I mean, think about it. When you kind of think of him, is he personal and close for you? Or when you think about him, is he like far, far away on a distant planet that you've never been to before? <laughs> Now, most people, it's funny, when I, when I kind of talk to them and say, okay, you know, where is God for you? It's always far away, most times. Sometimes people will say, well, he's close or he's near. But he's with us, in us. And we've got to remember that. And he is that catalyst for us to be able to talk to God and able to have that relational aspect again that can bring us to places that we would never imagine Outwardly, Christ was tempted with the greatest vehemency, assaulted both by men and devils to the worst of sins that ever a man was. But he always resisted and always overcame because he was the God-man. And so there was no sin. And that's what gave him that privilege of, <laughs> privilege, of bearing our sins. So he knows. He understands when telling a trusted person, Jesus should be the first person because he can relate. But even more importantly, he can provide a way of escape. He can show up. When you enlist God into your life and to say, Lord, I'm in this crisis.
crossroad. I don't know what to do. And if I'm about to do something foolish, show, you've got to show up and help me here. Guess what he does? Shows up. He does. He shows up. Because that's who he is and that's what he wants. He wants the best for us. And we've got to come to that place where we believe that. Oftentimes we think God is this huge killjoy. It's just about ruining our fun and about just making life this, you know, mundane, boring thing. If you live in Christ, no, 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 no. I don't think there's any man in here that would say, oh, my life was kind of boring and mundane. No. You live on the edge with things. You live in a way where God is at work and things happen in ways that you can't understand or see because he's doing it. But sin robs us oftentimes from these things. Getting caught up in just the trying to overcome it, trying to battle it, trying to have it be something that's in our past. We are just battling our time away when we could go to God and say, you've got to show up and do something here. Because I can't. I, I, I'm done. I'm done fighting. And guess what? He will fight in incredible ways for you. Incredible ways. Because he wants victory for you. He wants the world to see him in your life succeeding and growing and becoming healthy. Um, Jesus can relate to more than we think oftentimes. He really can. Uh, as I was kind of going through this, um, an old hymn kind of came to mind. It was called Tell It to Jesus. I'm not singing it for you, but I will read the lyrics. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joys departed? Tell it to Jesus alone. The chorus goes, tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He's a friend that's well known. You've no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Do the tears float down your cheeks unbidden? Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. Have you sins that two men's eyes are hidden? Tell it to Jesus alone. Do you fear the gathering clouds of sorrow? Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. Are you anxious what shall be tomorrow? Tell it to Jesus alone. Are you troubled at the thought of dying? Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. For Christ's coming kingdom, are you sighing? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You've no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. And I think we've, we've got to enlist our brother in our lives. And it's easy. It's, I, I understand how easy it is for the alarm to go off and for us to hit it and then stumble out of bed and get through the shower and do breakfast and work out and all the stuff that we do in the morning, stumble out the door, get to work, go through all of that stuff, and then all the other stuff that shows up unexpectedly that we weren't planning on. And we just kind of tumble from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. We've got to gain control. We've got to gain control and order our life, choose how we're gonna live our life and not just let this world dictate and drive us down a path that's only gonna bring harm, only gonna waste our time, only gonna rob us of an unbelievable joy that we could have. A Christian brother or sister can be somebody who can help. Uh, we're reminded in Ecclesiastes Four, nine through 12, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. 
For if they fall, one will lift his fellow up. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if you lie together, they keep, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so it's bringing people in. And again, it's not just everybody. People you can trust. And Christ is that first person automatically. And someone else, someone with skin in, skin on, someone with eyeballs that can look at you and go, where are you at? What's going on? That's only going to bring help. That's only going to bring health. That's only going to bring healing to our life. So, before we move on, have you talked with Jesus about the areas of life you repeatedly give into temptation to? Have you talked to him about it? Or are you just fighting, 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 fighting on your own? Don't stay there. Do you have a trusted individual you can also talk to? I hope so. You know, if you're a man, hey, I can keep a secret for a long time. I would be open to whatever you need to talk about. If you're a woman, find someone else. <laughs> no, uh, just expect my wife to be there as well if you want to talk about stuff. All right, so when defeating recurring sin, one, remember your identity. Two, tell someone you can trust. And thirdly, exchange your sin for mercy and grace. See, that's what God wants to give us. Instead of us drowning in sin, drowning in this, this ugh, that we sometimes get caught up in, he wants us to live with mercy and grace. Verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And this whole idea of grace here, it talks about divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in your life. That's what God wants to do with the grace that he provides for us, that it becomes transformational. It becomes something that works in us in such a way that it's lived out. A um, few other people that I kind of read have some pr different perspectives on this, so I'm just going to go through those quickly, but just to kind of give them to you and let you kind of meditate on them a little bit. With, when we're speaking about this particular passage, uh, that, be that believers may come boldly and with confidence to the throne of grace, they have liberty to do it. They have authority to do it. And they have confidence and assurance of audience and the doing of it. Mercy refers to the pardon of sin and being brought into favor of God without any doubt of, or fear unto the throne of God, our reconciled Father, even his throne of grace, Grace erected it and reigns there and dispenses all blessings in a way of mere unmerited favor. Grace is that by which the soul is supported after it has received this mercy and by which it is purified from all unrighteousness and upheld in all trials and difficulties and enabled to prove faithful unto death. We are to call for mercy and grace when we need them and we are to expect to receive them when we call. This is a part of our liberty or boldness. Uh, we come up to the throne and we call aloud for mercy and God hears and dispenses the blessing we need. Don't you want to live there instead of just fighting, fighting, fighting the things that challenge us on a daily basis? Where it's our hearts 
are overflowing with mercy and grace and we're living in such a place where we're gaining victory and strength and healing and moving in other people's lives in a way where they are blessed by the overflowing spirit in our life. That's where we're called to live. But oftentimes, you know, we get so caught up in trying to be good believers, trying to be good Christians. And we're fighting, 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 fighting these things in our life that rob us of so much. Don't live there. Oftentimes we think of God as judgmental, condemning, and punitive. But the reality is he, is, he wants what's best for us and has provided the way to be reconciled to him. All he asks is that we come and talk about it. Come to his throne. Talk about what's going on. Open your heart up. And I'm not talking about touchy-feely stuff, but it's like, think about your life and the direction it's going and what you want to produce in it. What kind of legacy you want to leave behind. And it happens one way or another to the fourth generation. <laughs> I see it, I see it in my grandkids. I see the attitudes of their parents and myself. Scary stuff. <laughs> it happens, but it can be impacted by time with the Lord. It can be impacted when we go to his throne. It can be impacted when we yield our lives in a way that changes it. First John 1, five through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. That's where we can live. That's what we need to be doing. We, we can't just kind of deny that, you know, hey, I'm dealing with stuff. We can't deny that there's some stuff that really needs to go in my life. We need to address it, and we need to hit it straight on. Clark says it this way, that thus coming feeling and calling we may have the utmost confidence, for we have boldness, liberty of access, freedom of speech, may plead with our maker without fear, and expect all that heaven has to bestow, because Jesus who died sits upon the throne. Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Does that sound condemning? Does that sound like No, because that's not who God is, and that's not what he's trying to do. He wants to join our lives in such a way. I mean, think about it. You know, I'm a grandparent, and it's like I know what that relationship I want with my grandkids. And it's one of those things where I want the best for them, and I want to see the best for them. Same with my kids. If, if we, as mere humans, can and want those things and desire those things, how much more does God want for his sons and daughters? How much more? But we've got to talk to him about it. Sin isolates us from each other and from God. In isolation, we are all at risk in trying to fight something Jesus has already conquered and can provide freedom from. Why not come to his throne, receive the tools for living this life the best possible way? When defeating recurring sin, 
One, remember your identity. Two, tell someone you can trust. And three, exchange your sin for mercy and grace. To me, that's the best place to live. And it's the most dynamic way to live in Christ. Pray with me. Father, we come before you this morning and this is heavy stuff because it's the stuff that's real in our lives and it's the stuff that sometimes is a hurdle or an obstacle for us to keep us moving in a direction that you would want. Father, I pray that this morning that this text would really permeate our hearts and our minds and change us and challenge us to be serious about those things that we know are in our lives that need to go and that we would not try to battle them alone, that we would enlist you and even better, enlist someone else that can help us gain victory and overcome. It is possible and it is possible in Christ. So thankful for that. We ask Lord for your blessing um, on the remainder of this morning's services And Lord, carry us through this week as your sons and daughters in such a way that Christ is seen in us. And it's in your son's name we do pray. Amen. Have an awesome week.